Welcome everyone to Beyond the Panel, brought to you by Balancing Life's Issues, the Business Council of Westchester, and Westchester's ultimate headhunter, the Headless Horseman. I'm your host, Kai, and we're here to give the Talent Tuesday panelists an opportunity to follow up and dive a little deeper into the subject matter they recently spoke to on the webinar. Today, we are talking to Andre Peart, founder and CEO of ConConnect, a company that helps formerly incarcerated people connect with service providers and employers through professional networking technology. Welcome to the program, Andre. Thank you, man. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for hopping on. So, you know, tell us a little more about yourself and uh, you know the company you you founded and run here in Westchester County. Definitely. Um, so you just nailed it. One, I'm from Westchester County. Born and raised here. Grew up in Mount Vernon Hospital. Um, and going into the just like to keep this thing interesting, man. Um, I also got arrested in Westchester County. Got all the all the good stuff happened here, and all the bad stuff happened here too as well. So got arrested, sentenced to six years. Um, went to state prison, and um, just leading up to the story was getting out of prison back into Westchester County as a 27-year-old male and having to like deal with the shelter system, having to deal with um, re-entry, finding jobs, all these different things that I had to navigate and find actually brought me to a platform called LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it, yep. but came across LinkedIn, very cool platform, um, got me a bunch of job interviews, very exciting time being, you know, after being in prison for five and a half years, got denied to all those job interviews. Um, but really loved the platform LinkedIn and what it did for me. And I sort of took that vision of LinkedIn and said, this would be really fantastic if I can build this same exact platform, but for formerly incarcerated individuals. And if the employers on my platform were employers that were willing to give people like me a job, um, more than that, take it a step further, it was like, and if we can put services providers on here, then we've created a network where people like me get out of prison, we find everything we need directly through a phone. So that's where the initial idea for Confidence sort of came up, and we started it right here in Westchester County about two, a little bit over two years ago in the ideation stage, did the Element 46 incubator, where we were just sort of like building our first pitch deck and all those good things. And I want to say from there, we went off to the races and we're in about 15 states now, um, over 2,000 customers, um, raised a few million dollars last year. But let me toss it back to you because I know we got some more questions we want to get to too as well. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for for opening with just just the honesty about how you got to the place of of setting up this, this um, professional networking system for something you lived and breathed. And, For sure. you know, before I guess we get a little deeper into kind of like how a company could join your platform, can you just talk to us a little bit about what was it like getting out of prison and the the idea of finding a job? Were you optimistic? You know, what, what kind of feelings were you struggling with at that time? I was very, very optimistic. I was very driven. I was, um, being very ignorant to a world I knew nothing about, though, in the sense of the corporate world, the professional world. I come from selling drugs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a little bit about, like, my background right now. My investors and everybody knows them. Big CNN articles for, for a lot of drug trafficking, and that world is what I knew. To get out and think, oh, I have my bachelor's degree in sports science and nutrition, and that I have just one felony on my record. I can't be as bad as the rest of the individuals that are applying to these jobs Oh not the case. Um, so I got to actually witness the experience of like just being a felony offender, right? The power of that violent felony on your record and like how it stops everything from housing, um, banking, all these things, employers. And, but, um, I stayed optimistic and I just kept failing at the job interview. 
right? I got just kept in denial, denial, denial. And that opposite, that sort of optimism sort of saying change into more of a just that doer mentality, more of a mindset of I gotta figure this out myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and I guess that's where it sort of transitioned me to like the entrepreneurial of let me just start my own thing. Right. And yeah. Yeah, I wanna say that's sort of like what happened. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's so admirable that you kind of took it upon yourself to to make it work for you. Right. And here you are. And I just before we get too much deeper, I just want listeners, employers of Westchester County to know the ambition and the drive of somebody who has gone through a rough patch in their life and is coming out looking for a change, you know. So I think really hearing your story, I think is really important for employers uh, because like you're saying, maybe you get three or four interviews deep and then you're, it's you against three other candidates. You know, is, is that felony really, really gonna be the difference, right? Between having to make a decision. And I think if that's a conversation we can have today about removing some of that stigma as someone who served their time and is is moving on with their life, you know, I think that that would be really important for our listeners to hear. It, it, it's super important just for employers. Um, like, cause now we're, we're going into a world where employers and not all, not at a mass effort, not at a large amount, but we're employers in general. Some are opening up their hiring policies to people who are just as impacted. I like to say people with these uh, records that were once, were once criminal. Right. So I want to believe that, as employers, um, my best way to say it in a very podcast-friendly way is employers just need to be very much open to thinking of, forget the criminal record part, and really matching it with what our act is, like skill and work readiness. The same thing they're looking for in every person they interview. Most employers, if you survey them, they're looking for character first, right? It goes like, hey, I'm looking for character first in this person. And if we can... If, when I sit across from Andre, who I know is a felony offender, now that's, I'm not looking for character. I'm looking for signs as an employer because I, I've screwed with my mindset and I've allowed it to change what it would look like from interviewing Andre versus Chris. So with Chris, I go back to character with Andre because I thought about him having a record. I'm looking for signs of violence, anger. Um, is he coachable? How does he answer people? I'm looking for way too much. My mind is now overwhelmed and because of the overwhelmness in my mind, I'd rather just not deal and just go with Chris and the other candidates. He goes into the process that we face now, which is, hey, you can't even ask about a background until you've said that this candidate is fit for the job. And all that really did was, hey, Andre, we're at the second interview. You're a great hire. And I see your criminal record later after I want to hire you. But now it's the same thought process, right? It's like, oh, snap, Andre was great. Was he faking it? was all this. If, when I hire him, do I have to lock bins up? Can he work around my staff? You know, all these different things. You just, you, you just had a fantastic, you, you forgot about the fantastic time you just had with Andre during the interview process. Nothing about his record, right? And employers, because employers are not at a space where they realize what I just told you, and hopefully when they watch this, they're like, well, that's what I was doing. I was getting these right. interviews, and when I realized that, I was, my mind did go there. It's all these thoughts that are, and I, like, and I proudly say this, there's no case studies from any employer that they locked that former country people have stolen, um, did anything bad to staff, followed people home, done anything outrageous, any crimes that we saw on TV or in the news. My friend, like, hey, die follows coworker home. It was done by a person who was a traditional hire. Sure. So um, 
there's no so i like to just use the data that's out there and the great thing is there's no data yeah well and i think one piece of data that did jump out in the webinar was this idea that through your work at ConConnect, 85 percent uh there's an 85 percent retention rate through, oh, yeah. through six months um yeah. so to to your point about the biases we bring into that conversation, uh, the tendencies we have, you know, how how do we continue? How do you whittle down, um, whittle down those biases in? You know, you're in the interview room. Um, you know, how are you making sure that the the person in charge of of getting some a candidate to the next stage is truly open minded? And I don't know, is there any like any work you've done w- directly with employers about that hiring process? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've done so um, an actual case study that we did actually in um, Lowe's with Westchester County with the win initiative was Lowe's ended up Lowe's. None of their hiring coordinators, hiring managers, their talent acquisition teams, the way they get applicants from ConConnect, you never know where they came from. You will never know they came from ConConnect system. You will now look at this applicant as the traditional hire all the way through the end of the process to where that one person, um, the final person, will know like, oh, this person, I can't do anything because he went through the interview process and he or she passed. And now we can't do anything because we already offered them the job. Right. So Lowe's has said, hey, we want to invest in this population and hire them. And we realize that we can't remove bias from a human being. No matter how much training we do, we can't. Sandy is still going to go to work, follow our company culture, or at least present to us that she's following it. In her mind, we can't read it to know that she may hate drug dealers because somebody in her family overdosed. So she's not, you're going to get what her thing back versus let her not know Andre was ever a violent felony offender. Right. Pass the, and pass him or her on, pass me on based on my skills or solely my lack of skills. Right. And that's how our process works. So you'll never know where the candidate came from. And that's how we're working with employers. If they have it in their process of, hey, you need, you need to meet with our TA team and HR team. So just integrating with their current applicant tracking system and sending the applicants without knowing where they're coming from. Gotcha. So removing biases, biases uh, as early in the pos- process as possible because you know that that felony is going to show up on a background rec- check. Um, but if you, if you can get that candidate as far as long as possible to build that relationship so that, uh, you know, the best decision possible can be made for that person. Um, I, I think it's just an incredible, incredible mission. And, you know, just to the drug dealing point, like, let's not forget that within the last year or so, you know, marijuana has become legal in the state of New York. So you might be dealing with a lot of people who have that kind of conviction on their record, which should be absolutely right nullified and i don't know if ignored is the right word but it's just a consideration as as we progress in that conversation that you're going to be coming across individuals who are dealing with that 10 years ago exactly have you have you um have you come across anything specific like with that conversation or is that just kind of looped into kind of like the ongoing conversation yeah we actually have come across but more so the conversation has looked like hey andre we're opening up dispensaries we're open up this and in our laws and in the process of opening up these dispensaries we learned that we have to hire people with the background for marijuana and we can't like neglect them look at them in any way shape or form but sadly it's still a waiting list for like me i have marijuana offense on my record i'm on a waiting list to go get it taken off right so up until that time happens the employer still looks at me 
with the criminal record of marijuana, it's, it's still there. So until, you know, government passes a law, so we're not on that wait list to like, hey, millions of you get your record cleared as we reach you, right? Back to social service game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting because like it, my understanding is great. Expunged, legal, it's over for you. But what I'm hearing is actually, no, you're on a wait list waiting yeah. to have that information cleared, which is kind of crazy. Yep. It's got to be frustrating. <laughs> frustrating. And you would have thought the way you said it was the way it would go. If we're abolishing a, a, um, a law, then let's make sure it's detached from everybody who has it on their record. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, that's not the way they went about it. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, just another consideration as an employer, but you know, so we're, we're talking about the great work you're doing, you know, removing the biases as early in the process as possible, opening up employers to the conversation, the empathy around it. So how does an employer kind of get involved with, with what you're doing? If someone out here listening is like, I need to be involved with this organization and make sure candidates are getting funneled to me from you. Definitely, man. Very simple. Um, technology platform conconnect.com you sign up as an employer very easy as signing up to like linkedin or indeed we're just tailored to this population and we offer a very niche of employers can post jobs their jobs get routed to community providers who are training the former incarcerated so that employer gets a person who has a caseworker that is showing them they can make it to work it's helping them with their personal professionals so that employers like i know that this person has somebody outside of work keeping them on track that's how our platform works. Everything is through the through tech. Lastly, we have a recruiting arm too as well. So signing up to our platform, you have the option to work di- directly with our recruiters and they're specialized in placing people inside roles and then working with them for up to six months while placing them to make sure that person adapts properly to their new role. But directly at conconnect.com. Wow. Sounds, sounds really straightforward and pretty easy actually. <laughs> yep. Cool. Um, so, I mean... I feel like we could just keep talking about this conversation, but I I think for our listeners, like, is there one thing you feel like an employer could do to kind of help move this conversation forward? And it does, it doesn't have to be like, you know, go sign up for ConConnect, but like, you know, maybe more about that conversation about removing the bias that you may have going into that. Um, What what, do you feel like there's one thing you could recommend an employer do? Yeah. I always, the one thing that an employer told me, what made them change their mind about hiring and giving second chances was the thing I've been using ever since I heard it was think about the second chance you had and it didn't have to relate to you going to jail. And even as we have this conversation, just think about any second chance you had. And if you didn't get it right, not the, the simple second chances, the ones like a second chance in your professional career, second chance at a failing semester in college from that professor it was like, I'm going to give you this. And if you get that, hey, you won't have to do a whole nother year or another semester. Mm-hmm. And think if you didn't get those second chances, where would you be? Maybe it's not that far. Maybe it's just not at your level in corporate. Or maybe you would have went to jail. Right? I've spoken to many um, individuals who are like, Andre, I've gotten pulled over for DUI. And the cops have just let me go solely because of like what I look like. And I've had mm-hmm. those real conversations. So I always tell right. people is, think of your those that those type of opportunities. And then give somebody that same opportunity, even if it's a one-time person. And like you said, it doesn't even have to be through ConConnect. It can be through anywhere. Giving somebody that one shot based off of your thoughts and how many second chances you had is probably the best way to go, to give it a shot and see what that second chance is for them and if it equivalates to what it did for you. Right, right. Empathy, right? 
afford yeah. afford someone else the same opportunities that that you have that you have gotten. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much. And you know, again, everyone, go to conconnect.com uh, to get your um, your business signed up so you can start having um, candidates funneled your way. And again, this conversation is about the pinch that we see on hiring pools, right? Um, given the last few years. So how is you, how's a business, how can you get creative and where are their talented driven people looking for work and con connect sounds like the way to do that. That wraps it up. Big thanks to you, Andre balancing life's issues, the business council of Westchester and Westchester's ultimate headhunter, the headless horseman. Be sure to check out the bcw.org for upcoming webinars and events, including talent Tuesdays. Thanks again for joining us, Andre. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Until next time, everyone take care. Mm-hmm.